How's it going? Going good. How are you going? Uh, <laughs> doing okay. Got a little weather drama here, but, you know, it's time for me to move to Brisbane. I can actually see my breath. Oh, fuck me. Okay. We got, our, we got a second winter storm. The heater is kind of working. No repairman can come out till tomorrow. So I had to go into the woods with my lumberjack outfit on and cut a whole bunch of wood and start a fire in the stove, which I haven't done for 10 years. And now I'm feeling it. it was not meant for that. I was yeah. not. Ruin the manicure. Fucking Man, ruin the manicure. I've chopped wood one time at my mother-in-law's house. <laughs> and I was like... Well, I feel more like a man, but um, never doing never doing that again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Are you it's recording? Yes. No, hold on. Oh shit. No. Well, you don't record this anyway. I do it, so it's fine. Don't worry about. It. This, uh, is, this, is, right. this is this is this is this is the intro. Hello, everyone. Right. <laughs> I want you to hear Ray's <laughs> chopping wood story, and I don't think that was a euphemism. No, it was. Welcome no, back. Totally not. The Bullshit Field of the no. News Show, episode 31. Um, I think last week I said it was 31, but it was actually yeah. 30. This week actually is... Really, sincerely, 31. Honest to God, 31. <laughs> Speaking of honest to God, I finished my film! <laughs> well, oh I finished God. shooting it. Finished shooting it. It's yeah. not finished, finished. Still. Yeah. Still. Yeah, but that was the hard part. So, Congratulations. for those yeah. who care... Um, which I know is really nobody <laughs> at this stage, but I I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I, I flew down to Melbourne, um, shot 12 hours a day for three days. Um, actually, it's a lie. It's 10 hours a day for three days, really. Still. Um, all my stuff to camera. So this is my bit of the film. So I've shot all the scholars. Um I, and, but I do 45 minutes of talking on camera. So I had to shoot that. And um, it was a fan- fantastic experience. Um, yeah. I don't know if I was any good. I don't know if the script is any good. But right. I, I pulled it off. Mostly, you know, <laughs> the, um, the, the, the production company that we were working with down there, they don't know me from Adam. Um, and they were fucking fantastic, by the way. But I'll tell you this way. They don't know me from Adam. Um, the the girl who's the production manager, line producer, she calls me when I'm at the airport, uh, arrived in Melbourne, like the day before. And she goes, because uh, they'd been saying to me for the last couple of months, like, you need to memorize your script. And I'm like, well, no, I'm, that's not going to happen. There's no way I'm memorizing yeah. 45 pages of dialogue. Are you fucking kidding me? It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, and I said, don't worry about it. I'm good. I'm really, really good. And they're like, yeah, um, but you, you, you really need to memorize this. And I'm like, no, no, no. I said, so I yeah, said to her, trust me. I said, have you ever seen The Deer Hunter? And she said, the what? And I said, fucking what? How can you work in the film business? She's 23, as it turns out. But I say, yeah. okay, well, I'm, I'm Mr. One Shot. If you've never seen The Deer, you need to go watch The Deer Hunter and then you'll you know what that means. I'm Mr. One Shot. I'm going to get it. She said we've allowed. She said uh, we've allowed four takes, on average right. in the timeline. It's a very packed schedule. We've allowed four takes, um, so you know you've only. I said, listen, <laughs> yeah. Georgia, you Georgia, the other three, Georgia. Yeah. yeah, I said, look, I'm Mister One Shot. 
I'm going to get it first time every time. It's you that I'm worried about. It's your crew. You're the right. ones that are going to struggle. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know I'm good. I don't... Right. I haven't worked with you before. So anyway... I got t- this. Yeah, yeah. It turns out... I mean, and, and I was right. And I'm, look, so I'm, I know I sound like an egotistical dick, but I, uh, 99% of the time I got it right first take. Um, but the nice. challenge is always the technology. And I, I've learned this over the last two years during this process. Like... We'll do a take and they'll go, ah, oh, the, yeah, no, I, I wobbled with that bit or, you know, we can see the mic or the mic dropped out or the battery's flat or, or the, we've got a shadow wow. there or, you know, the, this or that or the other and somebody walked behind the fucking shot and stopped and looked at us and went, what? And we're like, oh, okay, ta- stop. So, you know, there's well, a million. Stuff. And like, I'm not making a fucking big Hollywood movie here right it's it's there was six people in the crew which was great and and sometimes tony kyniston and sometimes torsten on top of that um but um even with that like a a couple of cameras audio guy there's a lot of moving parts uh, a lot of things batteries that can go flat and all that kind of stuff but uh, anyway um fantastic experience the crew was just fantastic like you know my experience in working with people, Ray. Um, I'm not not, yeah. not going to name any names, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes uh, you just get the feeling that people aren't really working as hard uh, or as committed right. to huh, the I outcome. Never... Okay. Yeah, I like. I, I, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to name names here because I, I, I don't want to. You don't do that. I don't do that. I you don't, don't do out that. people, but. No. But these people just yeah, awesome work their asses off. Um, nice, you know, good enough was never good enough. We can do better. One more take. Let's do it. We can get right. this. We can make this look. So honestly, I went into this thinking it was gonna look. This is probably gonna look like shit, but at least it's good content. Right. I think. Um, now, mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna look great. Um, now I'm the weak point. Uh, I am honestly, no, honestly, I am the weak point in this whole thing. Which may not everyone sit, everyone sitting at home going, well, duh, like fucking, you didn't have to tell us that. <laughs> but and that's good. It's that's a uh, good oh that's a good place to be. Good place to be is when I know that okay, now the success or failure of it um, as a as a as a as a as a work. Um, is on me, and that's how it should be, right? Um, right. D- does the story make sense? Is can people follow it? Are they interested in it? Um, am I am I you know a likable host? Well, we already know the answer to that's going to be no. But as unlike as as <laughs> less unlikable as possible, <laughs> let's put it that way. Right there, you go. That's what you should be aiming for. Yes. yes. Th- this is how much faith. I have in you in this film. I want you to box up the coffee cup you were holding during the filming and send it to me because one day that thing is going to be worth, I don't know, the price of a Leonardo da Vinci painting. Okay. Oh, I know it's going to be worth something. So if you could just yeah. send that to me, well, that would really be cool. That's a very sweet sentiment, but um, I actually didn't use the coffee cup at all. Uh, <laughs> this time I ditched. I, did, I said, no, fuck yeah. the coffee cup. Too many people right. said, what's with the coffee cup? So I, I ditched the coffee cup. <laughs> What'd you do with your hands? And if you could keep it clean, that'd be great. <laughs> I gestured. A lot of gesturing. 
but not Trump, not on a Trump level, on a cam level. Yeah, yeah, toned it okay. down from the Trump level. So anyway, people who have uh, sponsored the Kickstarter are going to want to know, when can we see it? Well, the answer is, we don't know. Um, the process from here, as best as I understand it, is that uh, we're going to have a rough cut of the film within about three weeks. Because um, mm. I've already done the editing on paper. I have already, right. you know, we, we've got, Jesus, like 30, 40 hours of scholars' uh, interviews on video, but I've already wow. gone through it, picked out the best bits, time-coded and put them in the script, given all of that to the crew, the editor of the crew, and said, look, just just cut it this way. So they're going to do that. will be a rough cut. That, 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 that'll We'll probably spend another month after that sort of tweaking it. Um, we've got to finish some animation that'll go in there. Uh, once we have a rough cut, I give it to Yofre, the the composer who does the music for a lot of our podcasts. He is composing some original music for the film very generously. Um, he will do that based on the rough cut. Uh, um, when we're happy with that, he'll go into a studio and record the piano. Give me the sheet music, which Chrissy's then going to record the violin part. Then we put that into the film then we color grade it and uh, sweeten all of the audio. Uh, 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 and then um, we have a finished product. But then Torsten, our executive producer, the guy who started this whole thing when he emailed me a couple of years ago and said, you ever thought about doing a documentary? Um, he has to go around the world and try and sell it. We, we, right. we can't show it to people, even our Kickstarter supporters, until we've sold it because contractually distributors like television networks or, or Netflix, um, those sorts of online um, platforms, yeah, they if they're going to buy it, they want to have sort of first rights to it, exclusive access for a period of time and all that sure. kind of stuff. So, so it's, uh, you know, it's That's a, wow. still a long, How many years? process. Uh, it's, uh, this juncture, I think it's been two and a half, maybe, that right. I've been working on it. I don't know. Um, two, two and a half, but uh, it's nearly finished. But I've already got, I already know what we're going to do for the next one. Um, <laughs> Good for you. Torsten. Oh, by the way, I have to do a shout out to Renan Goskin. Renan is a um, fan of ours, uh, although he doesn't like the dick jokes. But a fan of ours um, in Melbourne, he uh, owns or did own a uh, 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 network, uh, uh, fresh, uh, what do you call it, a franchise? Not a franchise. Um, a chain. Franchise. A chain. Branch. He owned chain. a chain, started right. and owned a chain of uh, seafood restaurants. I think four in Melbourne, four locations in Melbourne and one in Singapore called Clay Pots. Wow. Um, uh, he... he, he very generously uh, shouted dinner for myself and Tony Kynaston, um on the f- one night, Friday night, and then myself, Torsten, and our um, director of photography um, on the Saturday night. Um, he came to dinner with nice. Tony and I on the Friday night, and then on the Saturday night he said, um, listen, I can't make it, but you guys go to my restaurant in St. Kilda, eat, drink, anything you want, much as you want, it's all on me. Um, because I haven't paid for any of your premium shows, and this is my way of saying thank you. Um, this is my contribution. Lovely guy. I had dinner with Tony and I on Friday night. Lovely guy. What a character. Anyway, story is uh, that that he, a couple of years ago, he said, you know what, I've been running these restaurants for 20 years. I'm done. If I sell them, they'll get ruined by the new owners. So instead, he gave them to his employees. 
Wow. You guys deserve it. And some of them had been with him for like 17 years. Um, I met yeah. one of them, uh, a guy from Bangladesh who, who came to Australia 18 years ago, started work, working for Renan 17 years ago as a dishwasher in the kitchen. Now he owns mm. uh, or was one of the uh, owners of the restaurant. Right. Um, so uh, anyway. Class act. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just a really terrific character, very well read. We talked philosophy and science and history. And he's, he's from born in Brazil, Turkish back family. Um, just... Anyway, terrific guy. So thank you, Renan, if you're listening to this. Thank you, Tony Kyniston, for uh, being the major investor. Tony's put up at least half the money for the, the project. Thank you to all of our Kickstarter uh, backers. Yeah, Tony. Um, yeah. uh, and to Torsten and to everybody. It's, look, it's going to be great. It's going to be It's going to be great. I, I, it's going to be good. It's going <laughs> to be okay. tell me. It's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. As yeah. I said, I'm the weak point. Anyway... <laughs> Under the news. I'm glad I got that recorded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which point? The me, me saying I'm the weak point. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome like... to the club. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're the, you're the, you're the, you're the, you're the, you're the, you're the your... whipped cream in my. The fluffer. <laughs> you're the whipped cream in my Irish coffee, my friend. Um, We're good. I want to talk about. I want to. I want to start today by talking about Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Um, uh, who else is in this story? Um, uh, Jesus, yes. Jesus, Jesus is, and yes. Donald yeah. Trump. Jesus, Leonardo da Vinci, and Donald Trump walk into a bar, um, <laughs> or in this case, a museum. I, I I I read the story. This is a long story, and it's a convoluted and a complex story. But um, I'm, I'm going to try and do my best to give you the highlights. Um, okay. There's this there's a painting by Leonardo da Vinci. Um, mm-hmm. It's called a Salvatore Mundi. Uh, I, it's mm. a it's a it's a painting of of Jesus. Um, Salvatore Mundi, I think it means saviour of the world. Now, Mm -hmm. I believe it's the last painting he ever did, and it's also the world's most expensive painting. Now, um, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but I remember we we certainly talked about this when we were uh, in Europe, when we were at the Louvre and the Uffizi and places like that. Most, I don't know if people realise this, we, we, we... tend to think of Leonardo da Vinci as a great painter, but he didn't mm-hmm. do many paintings. He, like, you know, uh, uh, we produce a lot of podcasts. The most common complaint right. I get from our listeners is that we can't give it. Tony, <laughs> Renan said, um, I listen to your podcasts, but I don't pay for them. Tony said, well, I'm the opposite. I pay for them, but I don't listen to them. <laughs> I said, what? Why don't you listen? He goes, just, I don't have time to listen to all this, all too, your content. Too much. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How do you think we fit? I said, you just yeah. drove from Sydney to Melbourne. It's like a 10-hour drive. He goes, yeah, I thought I'd call you, you instead. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's yeah. a good, good comeback. Got a handy man. His, his choice. Yeah. His choice. Um, yeah. So anyway, he painted, I think, about 20 paintings in his entire lifetime. Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, does that sound about right to you? 20? 20, 20? Yes, 20. Yep, 20? that is yeah. the number. That is the number. Yeah. 
Um, now, immediately, my first thought is lazy, lazy motherfucker. Like, <laughs> what was he doing all those years? Right. Oh, he invented some shit, but come on. What else, like, what else yeah, did he have to do? How long does that take? 20 paintings? Yeah. I'd knock that out in a week. Okay, it just took That's me six six okay. years to write a book and three years to make a film, but <laughs> painting's easier, right? You know? Yeah. Kind of. You just color inside the lines. That's no, it. No, wait a minute. It's this, okay. So he did 20 paintings. Um, right. They're okay. All right. He's, they're okay. I'm not saying not saying he was shit. Anyway, so this is a painting of Jesus. Jesus. Um mm-hmm. Uh, looking very much like the Mona Lisa, um, right. holding a glass uh, ball, a crystal ball in one hand, exactly mm-hmm. like the crystal ball that I have on my desk. Maybe, maybe he Ooh. was prophesizing me. Conspiracy. Oh, um, here we go. And, and, and then the other hand, he's holding up two fingers, not like Winston Churchill or right. the Sex Pistols, but just sort of, I don't know what... That is supposed giving to be. a benediction. Oh giving yeah, a benediction. right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ben- Benedict Arnold, um, <coughs> Benedict Cumberbatchian, Benediction Cumberbatchian. That's his uh, <laughs> Italian name. So hashtag. Uh, I'll shut up in a minute. But um, this painting. Uh, is involved in a little bit of a crazy conspiracy theory slash story. Um, it's 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 involved in the Trump Russia investigation, and um, it, this is all because <laughs> what is it? Our old mate, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, aka MBS, aka mm. Bonesaw, Mohammed Bonesaw, um, <laughs> seems to have bought it and lost it. Well, that happens. I mean, you know, yeah, the, how much did he pay for it? I mean, the number know, of times they value it. The number of times yeah. a day my wife loses her AirPods, um, I can understand <laughs> it. If, if if it was her, I would go fair enough. She's just lost a painting. Right. Um, but this yeah. painting, you think you'd you'd kind of know? Yeah. Well, how much did he pay for it? Um, well, how much would you expect to pay for this? fine work of art um the greatest well the last yeah. painting leonardo da vinci ever did and it's of jesus right two million one of the greatest artists three million the, no 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 it's it's got a four I'm million thinking, i mean it's got to go up to i'm gonna i'm gonna say 12 i'm gonna i'm gonna say if it was me i would throw 12 million bucks at that thing so i could hang it in my living room to cover up the whole um yeah 12 million well here's here's how much it was bought for at a sotheby's auction in 1958 all right 45 million no 45 pounds it was bought for at a sotheby's auction (laughs) in 1958 did they not know what they had or was it in a bad condition or they just didn't care because he only did 20 paintings. <laughs> so we're like Leonardo who never heard of the guy. <laughs> um, this somebody, yeah. somebody just copied off, copied the Mona Lisa 
and um, just right. uh, changed it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, seriously, it sold for forty five pounds. Now I know there's been inflation since nineteen fifty eight. There's been a lot of inflation. Okay, so here's yeah. the here's the background before um, uh, background of the painting itself. Let's talk about that. So we don't really know, but it is one theory is it may have been painted for Louis the Twelfth of France. Mm-hmm. Um, might have been commissioned by him around fifteen hundred. Um, shortly after Louis conquered the Duchy of Milan and took control of Genoa mm-hmm. after the Second Italian War, and that's right about the time Leonardo moved from Milan to Florence. In 1500. Now, uh, if it was painted around by then, as they think it, they think it may have ended up in England when uh, Henrietta Maria married Charles I of England in 1625. She may have taken it with her. Henrietta Maria of France was, uh, you know, a descendant of uh, Louis, I think, something like that. Um, she was the youngest daughter of uh, King Henry IV of France and his second wife, Marie de Medici. Just tying it back into our Renaissance podcast there. So it ended up in England. Uh, then uh, Charles, her husband, was executed. The painting was included in a 1649 inventory of the Royal Collection, valued at £30 in 1649. Uh, so it's gone up. That was a lot of money in 19, 1649. You could, you could buy 300, 300 slaves in 1649 for £30. Pounds. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So then all of Charles's possessions after the English Civil War, they were, they were sold. And the painting was sold in 1651 to a man called John Stone, who was, in fact, a mason. Mm. John Conspiracy. Stone was a mason. Right. You know how they I say that conspiracy. people's surnames are uh, based on you know their profession. Right. He, he was right. John Stone, and then his son would have been Bob, son of John Stone, and uh, and every person with the name Johnston since then is based on this guy. Anyway, ah, he he bought it, um, sold it back to Charles II of England after the English Restoration in 1660. So it was mm-hmm. in the British royal family for at least you know a couple of hundred years. Um, okay. Ended up uh, in the possession of Sir Charles Herbert Sheffield, first baronet, in uh, 1763 when he he had auctioned it off uh, along with other art from Buckingham House when the building was sold to George the Third, mm-hmm. and then the painting disappeared appeared from the records for 150 odd years wow until it was Mm -hmm. bought by a british collector francis cook in 1900 he was the first viscount of montserrat um so it turns up again disappears for 150 years turns up but it had been damaged from botched restoration attempts (sighs) damn it Mm, okay mm, 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 i'm pissed and then, as as a, as a as Indiana Jones fan, I am pissed. Sorry, continue. 
Uh, Cook's great-grandson, Sir Francis Cook, fourth baronet, sold it at auction in 1958 for 45 pounds. So between 1649 and 1958, now my maths isn't very good, but I think that's 309 years, it went up from 30 pounds to 45 pounds. Leonardo da Vinci's last fucking painting, a painting of Jesus. But at that time, wait, what? Yeah. Hmm? Wouldn't it be better to say it went down from 30 pounds to 45 pounds? Because like Mm. you said, the value Mm. of pounds back then Mm. was a lot more. So it's been, it's been ripped. It's been torn. It's been painted over. And now it's been down, downgraded to 45 pounds in 1958 money. That's just kind of sad for, uh, for one of Leonardo's paintings. That's all. Hmm. Well, uh, the, one of the reasons why the value of it was so low is they didn't think it was a Leonardo at this stage. It was attributed to one of his pupils, Giovanni Antonio Boltrafio. Wow. So it was attributed name. to him until 2011. How is it possible oh. that we didn't know every fucking Leonardo da Vinci painting? Like, you would, really? It's like ridiculous, right? That we they, they yeah. didn't have a record of everything da Vinci did. He only did twenty paintings, people. Like, how hard is it to keep track of twenty paintings? Ray and I do twenty podcasts a month, and you know, we I'm not saying that Leonardo da Vinci esque, but you know, yeah. they're pretty, right, right. pretty, pretty impressive. I'm impressed. 45 pounds worth, yeah. Mm. So anyway, um, in 2005, the painting uh, was acquired for $10,000 at an auction. And then it's sort of... that's better. Yeah, it's going up. Yeah, it's going up. They were like, oh, well, it's not a Da Vinci, but it's all right. Then... People started to think it might actually be the long-missing Da Vinci. So then the painting was restored at New York University, and then they decided, holy shit, this is the real deal. So from 2011 uh, through to 2012, the painting was exhibited at the National Gallery in uh, the United States as a Da Vinci it was authenticated in 2012 by the Dallas Museum of Art. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that I would give much credit to anything anyone from Dallas thinks about art. Um, don't really think of <laughs> Dallas as the art capital of the world. I would have sent it to Florence for uh, you know, authentication. Florence, yeah. maybe Paris. Dallas, not so much. Dallas. Like yeah. when you and I were discussing our great tour of right. 2018, our first and last tour before I go to jail. We we never really uh, said or get assassinated. We never... I don't remember right. Dallas being on the list of uh, uh, potential yeah. locations it, that we would go to. It almost made the short list, but considering you probably would have ended up shot and me shot uh, accidentally by standing next to you, yeah, we, we took it off the list. The only reason I would go to Dallas is to go visit the book depository, you know try and take yeah, yeah. take that shot because everyone knows i am um the world's greatest authority on uh <laughs> sniper Sing- rifle shots from book depositories nobody knows and more wood chopping nobody no- knows more about shooting sniper rifles from book depository windows than i do right 
Right. I thought you shot kangaroos from a helicopter, but that's fine. I could be wrong. That was only with a camera. Now, in May 2013, oh. uh, a Swiss dealer bought the painting for just over $75 million. Prices going what? up. Yeah. Okay. Then it right. was sold to a Russian collector, Dmitry. This is where it starts to get interesting, right? It was sold to a okay. Russian collector, Dmitry Ryboviev, uh, oh for $127.5 million. So in one year, it went up from yeah, it went up from ten thousand dollars to seventy five million to one hundred and twenty five million. That's yeah. that's beyond comprehension. I mean, it is a Leonardo da Vinci, yeah, but damn. So so I guess this guy considered himself lucky to have one of the few of the twenty paintings Leonardo did, maybe. Yes, but he didn't have it for long because in 2017, it was sold. Okay, so keep in mind here, it's gone from 58 pounds to $10,000. Right. And this is in, you know, well, in, in, in 50 years, it went from 45 pounds to $10,000 right. in 2005. Then by 2013... Eight years jumped mm-hmm. to seventy-five million, then to one hundred and twenty-five million. Four years later, Dimitri sold it at auction for four hundred and fifty million dollars. Fudge! That's a hell of a profit. Who in the hell has that kind of money to throw around on a repaired Leonardo da Vinci painting? Before we get into that. The hammer yeah. price of it was, um, you can't touch this, $400 million, $50.3 million in fees. Oh, my God. I'm in the wrong business. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Oh now, the <laughs> purchaser was identified as a Saudi Arabian prince, Bar bin, Bar bin Abdullah, but... Mm-hmm. Then it actually came out that he was, in fact, only an intermediary for Crown, Pin- Crown Prince Muhammad Bonesaw Salman, <laughs> the true buyer. Bonesaw oh. paid a hundred and four, sorry, four hundred and fifty million dollars for it. Why? Was that why going price? I mean, I know they're opening up. Um a Louvre version or whatever in, in, in his city, Dubai or wherever. But I guess that was going to be like maybe the crown jewel, if you will, of, of this new museum that's opening up. Well, no, here's the thing. So okay. Christie's, the auction house in New York that sold it, said that right. um, Prince Badr, who uh, bought it, was acting on behalf of Abu Dhabi's Department of Culture and Tourism because it was going to go on display at the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Oh, gotcha. Which, by the way, is an incredibly sexy-looking building um, that uh, was inaugurated in November 2017 by the French president and um, man who likes older women, Emmanuel Macron, and... um, (laughs) <laughs> the UAE's Vice President Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum and Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayahan. Now, 
Why would Muhammad the Bone Saw uh, right. pay for it if it was to go in Abu Dhabi's Louvre? Yeah. No one knows. But anyway, so, this is in yeah. late 2017, November 2017. Then it was supposed to be uh, displayed there. Then in September 2018, a little less than like 10 months later, the exhibition was indefinitely postponed. And in January 2019, this month, uh, it was indicated that no one knows where it is and there are grave <laughs> concerns for its physical safety. Oh, my God. Oh my. Okay, my head is still spinning from all the prince's names, but you promised me some Trump. Where's Trump in all this? Well, why don't you tell the rest of the story? I've told this much. You, you, you can tell it from now. Oh, God. Um, well, let's see here. So we all know, we've all heard on the news about the June 9th meeting at the Trump Tower with Donald Jr., the Russian lawyer who's currently in the news, Natalia. Um, and uh, when uh, they said basically they had um, they were offering Don Jr. Uh, dirt on Hillary, his response supposedly was, I love it. But what a lot of people don't know, or at least at the time, they didn't know that three weeks later there was another meeting that Robert Mueller is looking into in August. And I think you have talked about Eric Prince before. He's the one who arranged the meeting. He's I, I don't know if he's um, just someone who will do practically anything for money, a mercenary, uh, works worked with Blackwater. He also has worked for the Chinese. Didn't wait, um, wait, wait. Didn't work for yeah. Blackwater. He founded no. and ran founded, Blackwater. That's right. Literally, sorry, thank you. literally a mercenary who ran a group wow. of, of literal God. mercenaries. But yes, go on. So, okay, so this mercenary arranges another meeting for uh, Donald Jr. There's also going to be a man there named George Nader, who I think you've are, are, um, also previously talked about, a Lebanese-American businessman who is acting as an emissary for both the Saudi Arabian Crown Prince MBS Bonesaw uh, and the de facto leader of the uh, United Arab Emirates uh, Abu Dhabi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed MBZ. Now, Nader... Um, had was accompanied by a man named Jules Amel, who I believe, again, you've talked to an Australian-born Israeli who founded the Psy Group, uh, an expert at uh, social media manipulation. And, of course, who was there for the Trumps? It was Don Jr. and Stephen Miller, the one who gave us the um, put the children uh, in cages. Uh, maybe the parents won't want to come here anymore. So Nader begins his pitch by saying, look, we want to help your father. The, uh, the, the two princes want to help your father get elected and we're going to bring in uh, Zamel's Psy group that can can uh, manipulate the uh, social media and the two crown princes are going to pay for it uh, this is obviously going to take millions and millions of dollars if we really want to have an influence but this is the plan that they come up with so the so the um, the Australian Israeli with his side group is going to manipulate information and the crown princes are going to pay for it now stop me if I'm wrong Cam, but I think so far as far as I understand, this is illegal. You can't have outside groups say, I'm going to help you get elected. Even if you don't do anything illegal on Facebook or social media, you still can't help. And two, you can't pay for such activity. As far as I know, they're supposed to, foreign entities are supposed to stay out of it. And it's up to the, for, for lack of a better term, the American public, the American voters. So, um, yeah. Does that sound right to you? I mean, as far as I know, that's illegal or at, at the very least unseemly. 
Yeah, I think that's that's part of the problem. It's a little bit of a grey area, exactly exactly uh, what uh, classifies legally as mm-hmm. uh, interference and collusion and all these sorts of things. So this is yet to be determined, I think, but um, certainly doesn't right. look good. Optics aren't good, <laughs> as we would say yeah. in the biz. Now, now explain this to me because I, I I don't pretend to understand all this so cambridge analytica which has been all over the news was going to as far as i and this is what i understand i could be wrong they were going to bring information gathered illegally as far as i know um from facebook give it to Group, and Group was going to use it to fake social media stories to help encourage people to not like hillary and hopefully vote for trump do I have that basic premise right? Yeah, I think that's right. But but I, I want to get back to how the painting yeah. fits into all of this and all these characters. Yes, please. So this this Russian guy that I mentioned, Ribolov, Riboloviev, Ribo. Let's just fucking call him Ribo. Ribo. So Ribo is the guy that bought it for one hundred and twenty-seven million dollars and then sold it. Uh, uh, seems to uh, Bonesaw. Now uh, Ribo is in a little bit of trouble himself. Um, Ribo is uh, apparently under investigation by Robert Mueller because in 2006, he paid $95 million for Donald Trump's home in Palm Beach, which Trump had bought... Those are pricey. Trump had bought it only four years earlier for $41 million. Now, there's... Again, we're in the wrong business. There's apparently no good reason why it should have increased in value by $54 million in four years, except to Mm -hmm. save Trump from another bankruptcy. So Ah. if you're uh, like me, uh, about to go bankrupt, and uh, you need to make some quick cash, if you can find somebody (laughs) who will buy one of your assets assuming i had any assets to sell uh i could find a rich person and say here this um this here uh wooden chess piece i'm holding i'm holding in my hand retail value of this probably a couple of bucks if you give me 20 million for it (laughs) um that'd be good that'd be great and would really really get me out of uh, get me out of some problems and, um, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'll owe you a solid. <laughs> right. 20 million solid. in solids. But yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. So this guy basically <laughs> gave Donald Trump a $54 million gift, it would appear. Um, why? <clears throat> well, in 2006. Yeah, 2006, right. right. Gave him $54 million okay. gift. Now, uh, there are some connections between Rubolvev, Ribo, and the Kremlin. Um, he, 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 well, you know, he's a Russian oligarch. I mean, it goes without saying that if you're a Russian oligarch, um, you're basically connected to the Kremlin. Yeah. Um, he, he was a potash miner till the Kremlin bought him out. And then he uh, relocated to Monaco, I think. He owns a football team there, AC Monaco. He owns 
big share of the Bank of Cyprus and has an extensive mm. network of judges and ministers apparently on his payroll. Anywho, oh. um, so how does he tie into all of this, Ray? That's a really good question. So is he... I don't know. Is he uh, is he representing Putin or the Russian government? Because I know that in 2016, he and Donald Trump met twice during the final days of the campaign. And of course, both men have denied this. But um, people who have been able to look up, I guess, their trips uh, during that time can see that their planes coincided on at various airports in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, which we've been to, and Las Vegas. So, so which we've they, also two been to. What if they can connect right, us to these guys? Oh shit! Oh shit! Okay, what shut if Mueller's looking into shut us? It all shut down. it all down! Burn shut it! it. <laughs> Activate! Activate the <laughs> operation emergency <Burn> protocols. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I am so nervous right now. No, but I guess that that they met, and of course he's going to remember. Hey, you're the guy that gave me ten years ago fifty-four million dollars when you didn't have to. I hope you're having a great day. So. <laughs> So it seems that there are connect- there are suggestions that Ribo actually mm-hmm. uh, manages the assets of the Russian deputy premier Yuri Trutnev. That was that was a, an accusation or a claim made by Der Spiegel uh, in the German newspaper in November. Um, so the suggestion is is that he's closely connected to Trump and the uh, sorry, well, definitely to Trump to Putin. Right to the uh, mm-hmm. deputy premier of, the, of Russia um, and has been sort of funding Trump uh, for well over 10 years. So as you say, in 2016, yeah. he met Trump twice in the final days of the campaign, it would appear. Um, mm-hmm. And so then what's the connection between him and Bonesaw? Um, I don't know. Is he, has he ever done business with the Middle East or is, or, um, or Bonesaw? I, I'm not sure. Why aren't you sure? I mean, besides buying the painting or, or selling the painting to him, mm. what? maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> so he sold the painting to Bonesaw, it would see via an intermediary. Right. For about three hundred million dollars more than what he paid for it, um, that's not wow. a bad. That's not a bad profit. Um, <laughs> it's claimed Bonesaw claims that he accidentally overpaid for the artwork. Now we've all been there. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. We, we've yeah. all you know you, you you've given you meant to give someone a twenty, you pull out a fifty. Um, don't realize, right. and you walk away, and they go, "Oh, excuse me, sir, you've, uh, you, 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 yeah, you, uh, I need to give you change." Um, yeah, same, Actually, exactly the same. It happened to me today. Yeah, and I was uh, going through the drive-through McDonald's, and uh, the thing was garbled, and I, I think she heard "supersize," which I did not say, so I was a little surprised when I got up there, and the and the price was a little more. I paid it, and I didn't think about it, but yeah, the, this kind of overpayment happens to me all the time. You thought she was referring to you when she said I "supersize." I thought it was a compliment. Yeah, and then she uh, saw oh, you, you, and she went, "Oh." <laughs> You're cute. And then she still charged me. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway. Yeah, so same sort of so thing. Like, you know, he accidentally, he meant to write 
150 million, accidentally wrote four. You know, sometimes a one can look like the a one. four. <laughs> accidentally wrote 450. He was typing it into like a, a, oh. a one of those, you know, what do you call them where you pay kind of thing? Like, you know, the thing you swipe your card over. If you're, if you're bone right. sore, <clears throat> his, his daily limit, I don't, my daily limit on my credit card is like twelve bucks fifty million. Twelve bucks fifty. Oh, um, his gotcha. is probably five hundred million. So it's it's easy to accidentally hit a four instead of hitting a one. Through. Right there, yeah, it just went Oops. through his credit card company. Yeah. They looked at it and they go, "Is that right?" Yeah. Well, it's bone saw. <laughs> Fucking who it's knows? Bone saw. It's bone yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bone saw. He's crazy. Bone saw. Oh, the shit that he gets up to. That's why we call him bone saw. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say anything. He might pull I'm out a so bone scared. saw. Yeah. Um, now, so let's right. join the dots here. So, Ribbo funneling cash to Donald Trump, it would appear, since at least 2006, from mm-hmm. sources that may be connected to the Kremlin. Um, bone saw now funneling what would appear to be a $300 million windfall to mm-hmm. Ribo. And where right. did that money end up? Where did Ribo, what did he do with it? We don't know. But this is basically mm-hmm. what money laundering looks like. You have illegitimate ah. cash going different places, making it look legitimate, but it's not legitimate. Now, maybe you, you might be thinking, well, shit, it's the last Leonardo da Vinci painting. Yeah, yeah maybe it just went up in value. Well, when Christie's put it up for auction in November 2017, the estimated price for it was between 180 and $120 million, despite the fact that Ribbo had paid 175 for it a few years ago. That was wow. actually what Christie's thought the painting was valued at. Yeah. Now, you might also think, well, maybe there was just a lot of bidding. Maybe it was very popular. Well, yes, that did happen. We've all seen this happen, at least in television, on television, in auctions. Something is supposed to sell for 100 bucks, and people go, 110, 120, 130, fuck you, 500, 1,000, 10,000. It's basically what happened. Um, Right. It it surged past 80 million, uh, went up over 130 million, and there were two anonymous bidders continuously outbidding each other until they round up the price to $450.3 million, making it, by the way, the single most expensive piece of art ever sold at auction. Um, now, we then, the New York Times then unmasked Bonesaw as the real buyer a few days later. Mm-hmm. It took several more months before the Daily Mail, as much as the Daily Mail can be believed in anything, but the Daily Mail revealed that the counterbidder was uh, uh, this guy you mentioned before, Abu Dhabi's crown prince, Mohammed bin Zayed, the guy that um, owns the, the well, was, you know, basically owns Abu Dhabi, I guess, so owns the Louvre Abu Dhabi, right. MBZ. Right. So... They drove up. They, they drove, drove up, up the, the price. price. They claim, right. each claimed later they had no idea that the other was bidding. 
and dismiss the whole thing as a mistake. Oh, that was you! Oh, 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 oh what? Oh, oh so, I, no, so funny. The egg on my face. So like, funny yeah. that, yeah. oh, we could make a laugh. French farce over this. What a, what, like, Hugh, chuckle, Hugh, chuckle. Hugh Grant will play me and right. um, that <laughs> other guy I can't stand who, who played... Right. King George in the stuttering movie. Colin Firth will play <gasps> you or me or whatever. You don't like him? Fucking no. I hate Colin Firth, man. Want the human him. being, the actor, the roles he plays, what yeah, yeah, all of it? Yeah, um... yeah, I just want to punch him in the face every time I see him. Like, <laughs> him and Colin, Colin like Black Firth Adder did. and Mel Gibson. Uh, Black right. Adder punched him in the face? Good. Yeah, there was a thing when he was playing Shakespeare and uh, Black Adder went back in time and punched him in the face. Excellent. Well, thank you, Blackadder. <laughs> I just want to punch him in the face every time I see him. Um, so, so and, yeah. and, and to get back to what you were saying before, these are the very same guys, Bonesaw and MBZ, who George Nader represented at the August 3rd meeting with Donald Trump Jr. and who Nader promised would pay for a social media campaign to get Trump elected. Wow. So, look, that's enough on that story. Suffice yeah. to say, very, very uh, convoluted, complex. Uh, can't mm-hmm. wait to see what happens with that. Uh, if Will the real Da Vinci turn up? God only knows. Is it in Donald Trump's toilet right I just now? Have- <laughs> His golden Twitter. I just have to say real quick, if, if Trump sold his uh, apartment or complex, whatever it was, for $54 million uh, profit, no wonder this guy doesn't want us to see his tax returns. I mean, I can only imagine what else is probably in there. I don't know. I'm not pointing the finger at him. A lot, everybody does it. I'm just saying, no wonder he doesn't want us to see his taxes. Yeah, well, shit, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's getting deep. Let's talk about crickets, Ray. Crickets. All right. Crickets. <laughs> now, um, I don't know if uh, you remember, but way back, way, mm-hmm. way, way back uh, in Bullshit Field of the News number three, April 2018. Wow. Um, we did not talk about this story. Um, that was another story that we talked about. When did we? Sorry, when did we talk about this story? Uh, was it last September? I, I just know. don't know. Oh, could have been. Could have been. Do you have dates? I'm looking. I'm looking up my old night. Yes. Uh, no, June. Bullshit filled with the news number June. ten. Same okay. one when Anthony Bourdain committed suicide. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, I told the crew that I want to be the new Anthony Bourdain. Uh, somebody said, just what, just not as good looking or talented. I said, well, yeah. That's never stopped you. That's right. Um, we talked about how U.S. diplomats were mm-hmm. being evacuated from China and Cuba because they mm-hmm. were being attacked by some sort of microwave weapon that was fucking with their head. The voice of God weapon um, right. that was creating mysterious illnesses in them. And everyone was like, what the? 
and yeah. trying to work out what was going on. Well, Ray, mm-hmm. it seems like scientists have worked out what this new weapon is. Fucking Russians. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I've done too much talking. <clears throat> okay, yeah, so, um, excuse me. <clears throat> and I remember this because when I was watching it on the news, and of course uh, NBC and MSNBC, um, along with others, were doing a, a pretty good job of, of scaring the hell out of the viewers, which, of course, they do on purpose because that boosts ratings. But I, they were saying that the people had migraines they were having trouble with their vision or at the very least having trouble with their hearing they may never hear uh, fully again so it was some pretty scary stuff and of course they were pretty much saying that this had to be something that the russians had put together some kind of new weapon where you could you know um disable your your opponents without actually killing them so again so this gets reported along but it turns out another wait 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 wait, wait, wait. before you go on let me play a clip from uh msnbc's national security reporter ken delanian um you know this has got to be good stuff if it's coming from their national security reporter oh yeah here's him last year Exclusive new reporting this morning from NBC News. Intelligence agencies investigating attacks on U.S. diplomats in Cuba and China now strongly suspect that Russia is to blame. 26 government workers in Havana had mysterious brain injuries starting in late 2016. And then this year, one U.S. worker in China was diagnosed with similar symptoms. Joining me now with more on this is NBC News intelligence and national security reporter Ken Delanian. So this has been a mystery. The CIA, the FBI, other intelligence agencies have all been working to try to figure out what exactly happened here. Why do they suspect Russia now, and what's the evidence that they have? Well, it's still partially a mystery, Chris, but they have more and more evidence, they say. Three U.S. officials tell us pointing to Russia, including communications intercepts that suggest that the Russian intelligence agency was involved. Now, really... The- well, communication intercepts, Ray. That, that sounds... Uh-huh. That sounds pretty serious. I mean, you can't argue with communication intercepts. No. That's, they were bragging about it. That's a smoke, we, smoking gun. Yeah. I think we call that in Fucking the biz, a. Ray. Now, look, nobody <laughs> knows more about communication intercepts than I do, Ray. And i got to tell you that when you have a communication intercept from Russia, uh-huh. case closed, yeah. my friend. Uh-huh. Case closed. Right. Send in yeah. the big guns. That's- that's an aha moment. Yeah, and if I could just add on to that real quick, it was the Bush-Cheney Deputy National Security Advisor, Juan Zarate, who uh, is now, uh, I think, an analyst for NBC, said, The Cold War never ended for many in the Cuban government, including parts of the Russian government, including President Putin. So not only do they have these intercepts, they suspect them highly, but this is something that's, you know, this is this is pretty bad. This is pretty evil because one, we have no idea how they're doing it. Two, we don't know how to stop it. And our embassy staff, our spies, whatever you want to call them, they're being hurt. But it turns out that it might not have... Oh, and just one other thing. Some of the senators who were watching this news wanted to um, have a bill or, or something that said to put Russia as a state sponsor of, of terrorism. So this was getting pretty, pretty intense. However, <clears throat> reality eventually came back to uh, the entire situation. It turns out that two scientists, Alexander Stubbs of Berkeley and Fernando Montalegre, I'm not sure to say it, of UK's University of London, have published their findings about one key part of the evidence 
in this entire um, storyline. So it turns out in 2017, the Associated Press got a copy and published recordings of the sounds that the embassy personnel were hearing and that they were complaining about. And it turns out that it was much worse than what anybody had ever thought. It turns out that the scientists have concluded that the sounds match those made by a specific species of Caribbean crickets, <gasps> wait for it, during, during mating season. So these crickets are getting it on. They're they're soothing their female counterparts with their you know rubbing their wings together. And I don't know if it's disco or country, but however they were doing it, it was sending certain people in the Cuban and the other China uh, embassy to the hospital. So there's a slight difference between Russian death ray and crickets trying well, to get it on. It's quite obvious because we have communication intercepts ray. And look, nobody knows more about. Caribbean crickets than I do. And I have to tell you, Ray, that these are obviously weaponized Caribbean crickets. Oh, fuck me. You're a genius. You know, the, the, I didn't the, think about that. The Kremlin's um, um, secret right. uh, villain laboratories have obviously right. modified, Natasha. genetically modified. Yeah, right. Na- Na- right. Natasha uh, is, is running it. <laughs> have obviously uh, taken... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garden variety. Boris, Boris uh, and Natasha. Caribbean, right. Caribbean <laughs> cricket, and and modified it uh, using uh, nanotechnology, uh, 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 genetic uh, science, and and a little bit right. of. Uh, I'm impressed. Rodan and Fields uh, regenerating eye cream. <laughs> and, how does how does Heather like a Rodan and Fields products? By the way, happy good. She is. She is very happy. Her she and Kiki are didn't get insulted. I said to I said to Chrissy when she was talking to you about giving your wife skincare products. I'm like, you know that when a man gives his wife oh, skincare products, point. basically he's saying, yeah. "Listen, you ugly bitch, um, <laughs> do something, do something do about something, yourself, or I'm leaving, or I'm leaving yeah. you for uh, the secretary got, at work." You- Fortunately yeah, for them, they know that your secretary at work is the dog, so... Yeah, or my right hand. No, it turns out that women dress <laughs> Hello, up Ms. and do... Do you call, do you call your right hand Miss Moneypenny? Hello, Miss Moneypenny. <laughs> You're looking damn fine I d- today. I, d- <laughs> I do. I always get a, pedi- a manicure on my right hand. But d- no, it turns out that when women dress up and Put do skincare... a little skincare- dress on it, a little wig. <laughs> you draw a little face... You know, when you do some face. eyes and some lipstick, put it on. Aww. Why are you pouting? Why you get some pouting? googly. You get some googly eyes. Sorry, we got to stop doing dick jokes. Tony Coniston and Renan Gost can both hauled me over the coals uh, over dinner the other night for the dick jokes. They said, it's just it's not necessary. It's just immature. I'm like, right. well, yeah, okay. I'm immature. We're like, fucking, what do you want? I mean, I, sorry. So, no, sorry. I, sorry, I guys. I will to myself. That's fine. Mm. Sorry. Mm. Sorry. No, it turns out that when women do skincare products and dress up and do their hair, they are actually doing it for each other and not their husbands. They don't care about us. So she was very, very happy with getting it and with the results. So I have two very happy women in my house right now. That's good. And then you have. So anyway. And then Sophie. Yeah. yeah. Two very happy women. Sophie is. And Sophie who's plotting to kill you in your sleep. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) <laughs> pretty much she scares the shit out of me sometimes anyway anyway crickets ray so weaponized crickets 
Um, here's what the report uh, said by these uh, fact-based science people who obviously hadn't seen the uh, 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 intercepts. As shown here, uh, the calling song of the Indies short-tailed cricket, Anurogrillus celerinctus, matches in nuanced detail the AP recording in duration, pulse repetition rate, power spectrum, pulse rate stability, and oscillations per pulse. This provides strong evidence that an echoing cricket call, rather than a sonic attack or other technological advice, is responsible for the sound in the released recording. Although the causes of the health problems reported by embassy personnel are beyond the scope of this paper, our findings highlight the need for more rigorous research into the source of these ailments, including the potential psychogenic effects as well as possible physiological explanations unrelated to sonic attacks. Dr. Stubbs went on to say to the New York Times, I can say fairly definitively that the AP released recording is of a cricket and we think we know what species it is. (laughs) Well, before you go on about... um conspiracy theories and the news and and things like that. I actually think I figured it out as you were reading that Trump who was pro Russian because he's a Russian agent got to those scientists and made them put it out to discredit the entire story because it really is a Russian weapon. And of course this is so embarrassing for the news agencies and embarrassing for the secret or whoever is looking into this, the CIA, FBI, that you almost don't want to fight back because it turns out that this death ray is crickets. So the whole thing is probably just going to be closed up and everybody's going to move on. But that's the theory that I'm going with for the next at least 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Who are I could be these wrong. scientists? They're probably evil scientists working for Putin <laughs> in the first place. Right. I'm going to trust yeah. MSNBC and The Guardian, by the way. The Guardian <laughs> also reported their science editor, Ian Sample, which is right. John Stone, the, the Mason, and Ian Sample, the science editor. <laughs> <clears throat> Can I get a sample, Ian? That's what I'd be saying to him every day Here he walks up to work. Hey, Ian! 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 Fucking what? Do you want a sample? <laughs> you want a sample, Ian? Can I sample your sample? <laughs> He'd fucking hate me, that guy, if he worked with me, I tell you. Even more than you do. And that's saying something. Ian Sample reported back last August claims that US diplomats suffered mysterious brain injuries after being targeted with a secret weapon in Cuba have been challenged by neurologists and other brain specialists. The Guardian was referring to four separate letters to the Journal of the American Medical Association from groups of doctors specializing in neurology, neuropsychiatry, and neuropsychology. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but nobody knows more about neuropsychology than I do. That described what they believed were major flaws in the study commissioned by the U.S. government that originally claimed that brain injuries were detected. They said at the time, you want to see brain injuries? Look at the fucking president. (laughs) What are you talking about? People in Cuba. 
So it turns out this entire story, they need to go back to the drawing board, start over. They might have gotten slightly uh, ahead of themselves. And again, what I would love to hear is the of the Russian intercepts, which there's a decent chance they do not exist. To the best of my knowledge, Ken Delanian has uh, not uh, picked up this uh, story. Um, right. I've got his Twitter feed open here, mm. just going back over the last week. La di da di da, la di da, la di da di la da. No, nothing about him. No crickets. Nothing. Yeah, crickets. <laughs> There's crickets about the crickets story on Ken Delanian's. <laughs> Twitter feed. Right. Um, so, hmm, what does that tell you about, uh, like, you know, fucking, we've gone on and on and on and on and on on this show, on other shows, on the Cold War show, saying the media is in on the game, folks. Um, They love a big, salacious, scandalous story, a salacious headline for a whole variety of reasons. Um, One, drives eyeballs. Eyeballs drives uh, ad views. Higher ad views drives ad revenue, particularly when you have a a cost per click or a cost per view model. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it drives up your rate. So salacious news is great because it makes money for media companies. Two... Who owns MSNBC, Ray? Probably some corporation, but I don't know exactly who. You don't know who owns NBC, really? I know I don't. Why have you been doing this show with me for all these years and you don't even know who owns NBC? I I, I feel like I've let you down somehow. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it, but the sense is there. Who owns it? <laughs> uh, GE did own them. Comcast, I think, now owns NBC. And Comcast yeah. uh, is uh, owned by whom? Just publicly listed, I guess, is it? I don't know. Time Warner, Comcast, Sprint. I don't know. Mm. Let, let me ask this real quick. So you're so you're this analyst. You get this juicy um, story from someone who's given it to you anonymous, anonymously, obviously inside the government or whatever um, intelligence agency. It, you don't stop and think. You don't try to maybe get another source and verify. You just know it's a sexy, juicy story, and you can't wait to get in front of the news cameras and do this bombshell. Or maybe you think you're being a good patriot. And I know that's kind of naive of me to even say that, but... I mean, I'm just, I, I don't think there's any, even a flicker of due diligence. Like you said a second ago, it's, it's a, it's a credible story. It's going to draw everybody to my website or to my Twitter account, whatever. And it's off to the races. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're just there to, um, mouthpiece. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think part of it is they, they kind of are the government mouth in many ways mm-hmm. or, or the mouthpiece of the interests that that run the government but um, let's have a look at who the major shareholders are of Comcast okay uh, here we go uh, top 
mutual fund holders, uh, Vanguard, Vanguard, Dodge and Cox, Washington Mutual Investors Fund, more Vanguard funds, more Vanguard funds. Okay. Wow. So, well, yes, big, big funds own it. Big funds Mm -hmm. own lots of different, big major positions in lots of different businesses. So if you own a big chunk of Comcast, and you also own a big chunk of uh, fucking who knows what else, weapons manufacturers, all of the businesses, the profit from the industrial military complex. Um, You know, you you have interests in a lot of different businesses around the country and you want them to do well. So how Mm -hmm. much involvement do they have in uh, manipulating the, the... perspective that the media companies that they have a big share and take when they sit on the board i don't know but you have to imagine yeah. that they have some sort of they'll have a seat on the board that seat on the board they get to you know determine who the ceo is who the chairman is right. chairperson and and they get to set the basic tone or the objectives of the media organization so mm. i mean i think uh to believe that doesn't happen at some level you have to be pretty naive Right. You don't want to go too far into conspiracy theory, Terry, but we've done enough stories on how you know on how the media is manipulated. And if you want to know more about that, my upcoming book, The Psychopath Economy, available in all good bookstores, uh, probably never, um, but available certainly <laughs> online for sale at some point uh, this year, uh, goes into nice. detail about how this works. But anywho, getting mm-hmm. back to Ken Delaney and, and this story, yeah, like massive... Uh, uh, fear-mongering. Now, um, I do want to just do something here. Mm -hmm. I will try and edit this out before we put this to air, but... Oh, shit. Flights delayed after fire alarm grounds planes at Melbourne Airport. Glad I got out yesterday, not today. Yeah. Doing a news search. How was the weather there? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, fantastic. So jealous. Yeah. Um, bit hot, and my, got, my top lip got all sort of dry and cracked. Um, so, done a bit of a news search in the old Google News. Um, right. Crickets, Cuba, Russia. Um, looking for coverage of it in mainstream news uh, sources. Um, coming up with very little. Um, mm-hmm. The Guardian did do a story last week um, saying that it might have been crickets. Um, right. Daily Mail says it was crickets. Um, all uh, other coverage. Uh, let me see major news names that, that have covered the cricket story in the last week. Yahoo News, uh, uh, Gizmodo... The Scientist. Uh, MSNBC, not coming up. South China Morning Post. Shock. Um, MSNBC, Shock. yeah, no. CNN, uh, no. Fox, uh, no. Uh, who else you got over there? ABC, I, America, I didn't, uh, no. I didn't see it on BBC because I looked all over BBC. BBC, no, they're not coming up in the list of news sources that have got a story. Newsweek did. Um, nice. That's it. Uh, Sky News did. They're owned by Fox, um, but not Fox itself. So, mm. you know, if, if if I go back and have a look at the story on uh, Sonic Attack, if 
I go back, oh, yeah. I do Sonic Attack. Great name. Scare the shit out of it. Great name for a band, by the way. Um, right. <laughs> minus Crickets. Cuba. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. So if I go back and have a look at la- you know, middle of last year, um, mm-hmm. and I look at the stories, uh, BBC, um, ABC, uh, Bloomberg, New York Times, ah. New York Times talked about it, um, CBC News in Canada, Reuters, uh, Los Angeles Times, CNBC, uh, 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 CBS, uh, you know, US News and World Report, yeah. Reuters, um, oh, well, you know, all over the place. They all covered yeah. the story, the original story, the Telegraph, uh, fucking, uh, NBC, Dallas, NBC5, Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, CBS News, USA Today, yeah. CNN, Breitbart, um, oh. everyone, NBC News, everyone yeah. covered the fucking story. Everyone yeah. covered the story saying it's the Russians. Hardly anyone is covering the story <laughs> saying it was crickets. Just just real quick, could you give me a, an idea of what it might have been like back, you know, last year? You know, Sergey turns to Vlad and goes, Vlad, are you working on something? I just saw something in the news. Is that your work? No comment. That does not mind. But I wish it was. What an amazing weapon. I mean, I, I imagine the Russians were probably doing their own internal search. Who in the hell has come up with this or what the hell is going on? That must've been entertaining. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a mere culpa here. When I actually search on the name of the, one of the scientists, cause he has a very unusual name, mm-hmm. Monte Allegre dash Z. Right. Where the fuck ah. that comes from. I thought that was a typo on my part. <laughs> no, that's that's the real deal. I do see uh, a story from the New York Times saying it's crickets. I do okay, see a story cool. from who else here? I do see a story from USA Today. What about NBC uh, and MSNBC? Yeah, I haven't found that yet. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a search on that. Oh. Um, MSNBC. No, nothing from MSNBC. Uh, So a couple of major outlets, uh, USA Today, New York Times, have covered the story about the crickets. But uh, for MSNBC, it's literally crickets. Because they're the ones who hit it hard. Yeah. Uh, Andrea Mitchell and them hit it it pretty hard. I remember that last year. Yeah. Scared the crap out of me. Here, I'll play a little bit more of MSNBC's coverage. This is Andrea Mitchell. The mystery, who or what caused American officials living in these Havana homes and several hotels to suffer headaches, dizziness, and some serious brain injuries similar to a concussion. Last year, Cuban investigators told us they would never allow their territory to be used that way. But now Russia is the leading suspect, NBC News has learned, according to three U.S. officials and two others briefed on the investigation. Evidence, they say, backed up by highly secret communications intercepts collected during a lengthy and ongoing investigation involving the FBI, CIA, and other agencies. U.S. officials also tell NBC News investigators now believe the Americans were deliberately targeted. This is not an accident, and those who who think this is some sort of rogue operation, I think... This is uh, Juan Juan Zarate, former Deputy mm-hmm. National Security Advisor and uh, guy who looks like an accountant. 
NBC News' <laughs> senior national security analyst. Talk- operation, I think, are, are operating in a fantasy world. The State Department says it is still investigating. We have not assigned any blame, and we continue to look into this. Why would Russia target American officials? The leading theory to disrupt President Obama's opening to then-Cuban leader Raul Castro. No comment tonight from the Cubans or the Russians. So there you wow. go, man. They went hard, yeah. but no recantation. So what do we take away from that? Yeah. Trust well, but to, verify. Well, yeah. that's one thing. And, and and the other thing is, is it part of an orchestrated attempt on behalf of the U.S. elite to ramp up this fear about Russia? Um, just, mm. oh, my God, it must be Russia. We have FBI, <laughs> a lengthy investigation from the CIA yeah. and the FBI uh, with communication intercepts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, smoking gun. It's like the fucking yeah. P-tape. Where's the P-tape, Ray? <laughs> I've been hearing about the P-tape for two one. years. Oh, you meant Trump's. Okay, <laughs> Where's sorry. the fucking P-tape? I had it on very good authority that I would get to see a P-tape. I'm still waiting on the P-tape. It's just a matter of time. And again, I can send you one if they don't have it, but it's fine. How are we going? <laughs> Is it just me or are we way over time? <laughs> We're way over. Way, way over. over. All right. What was our last couple of stories? Yeah. Fuck it. That's it. That's the show for yeah. today. No. Okay. It's not the show. I'm going to keep going. You got time? Can you keep going? Yeah. Just uh, don't be too long because I got to go get more wood because a lumberjack's job is never done. <laughs> get more wood. Yeah, well, like an inch isn't enough for Heather all of a sudden. She needs more. Just kill it till it's called D'Angelo. Uh, I want to talk about the Afghanistan thing while I for- before I forget. Ouch. So, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, on, during a, uh, a cabinet meeting on January 2nd, Donald Trump said this. Russia used to be the Soviet Union. Afghanistan made it Russia because they went bankrupt fighting in Afghanistan. Russia. But Russia should be fighting. The reason Russia was in in Afghanistan was because terrorists were going into Russia. They were right to be there. And Andrea Mitchell back with that story, so we'll cut her out. Now, uh, I saw a lot of people losing their shit over this um, right. online. Now, yes, Trump is wrong uh, there. As far as we know, no evidence that anyone from Afghanistan at that juncture was going into Russia and being terrorists. I think he misspoke. Um, This is Trump. We don't expect him to be able to string a sentence together. Um, Now, but here's the thing is I've been having lengthy debates with uh, people from David Markham and uh, others online about what actually happened in the late 70s in Afghanistan. And they've argued and called me names. And but here's the facts as I understand them. Now, uh, the, the popular, I think, version of events um, here is that the Russians or the Soviets invaded Afghanistan in the late 70s, and then uh, uh, the CIA got involved to support the poor Afghani uh, 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 freedom fighters, um, first under Jimmy Carter and then under Reagan, to help them engage uh, the the Soviets in a lengthy, drawn out guerrilla Vietnam style war, which helped uh, you know put huge financial strain on the Soviet Union and brought about its collapse. Hooray! Big victory! Ra 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 ra. Right. 
the actual timeline is uh, a little bit different. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think a lot of people know this, A, because it was kept a secret for a long time, B, it doesn't get talked about a lot um, in the United States, I think. Now, right. um, what actually happened was um, the CIA was involved in financing the Afghan rebels before the Soviet invasion. Right. Now, by Afghan rebels, I mean the Mujahideen, uh, fundamentalist uh, Muslim jihadists, uh, which spawned Al-Qaeda. Osama bin Laden was uh, part of the Mujahideen, spawned Al-Qaeda, which obviously, allegedly, uh, perpetrated the 9-11 attacks, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Now, the, the, you may go, well, what the fuck do you know? Where are you getting your information? I'm getting my information from a guy by the name of Zbigniew Brzezinski. Zbigniew. Mm-hmm. Zbigniew, I think it is. Zbigniew right. Brzezinski, who yeah. uh, I think was Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. Now, I think we mm-hmm. talked about this on the show, uh, national security advisor. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Did I touch on we this? touched on it. Right. Touched on yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So I actually dug up an interview with uh, Brzezinski um, uh, that he did before he died. Question to him was, the former director of the CIA, Robert Gates, stated in his memoirs that the American intelligence services began to aid the Mujahideen in Afghanistan six months before the Soviet intervention. Is this period in... uh, uh, I think it means in, in this, this in this period, I've got is this, but in this period, you were the national right. security advisor to President Carter. You therefore played a key role in this f- affair. Is this correct? Brzezinski says, yes. According to the official version of history, CIA aid to the Mujahideen began during 1980. That is to say, after the Soviet army invaded Afghanistan on December 24th, 1979. But the reality closely guarded until now, is completely otherwise. Indeed, it was July 3rd, 1979, that President Carter signed the first directive for secret aid to the opponents of the pro-Soviet regime in Kabul. Wow. Now, I, before you go on real quick, I was watching some YouTube videos on this, and it turns out that the um, yeah the pro-Soviet regime um, was, you know, when they had come in, they had, like, and you've said this before, they started working on um, increasing the people who were getting access to education. They were trying to be a lot more fair to women. And some of the people in the country, this was going against the, the values and the customs and the cultures of the people who were living outside of the cities or the villages, the people who were pretty much, you know, almost cut off from the outside world by high mountain ranges and they weren't liking all this equality and and other reasons besides that. But the point is, so there was a lot of people who were rising up against the government that the Soviets were supporting. And I think as you're about to go into, I think America saw an opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, I think um, there's a couple of things I want people to take away from this. Um, First of all, and look, this isn't new to me. When when people started arguing about this online, and I hadn't dug up this uh, Brzezinski interview, but I'd read about this before in Tim Weiner's book on the CIA, uh, Legacy of Ashes, um, and yeah. in uh, 
think George Creel's book, uh, Charlie Wilson's War, which I read fucking, I don't know, decades ago. Uh, when it first came out, I remember this. Um, got turned into a film with Tom Hanks, I think, but I'm not sure how much they, they actually accurately covered the timeline. Um, right. But um, so I, I was aware of this, and I had to go look it up to, to check my facts on the timeline, but I vividly remember the US were interfering before the Soviet invasion. So, yeah, look, there was there was some... Uh, trouble, civil war, bit of, uh, you know, argy-bargy, bit of uh, uh, mm-hmm. problems going on. People didn't like the um, uh, uh, pro-Soviet government in Afghanistan. And I've had people online say, well, they didn't like the, the the brutal policies of the Soviets. I'm like, fucking hold on. This is, the, this is Al-Qaeda we're talking about. They don't like any non- caliphate-based government. It's not, oh, they didn't like the brutal Russians. They don't like anyone. They fucking bombed the World Trade Center in America like five or six years later, uh, maybe 10 years later, before the 9-11 attacks, right? The first time they bombed it was like, what, Mm -hmm. 90, 91? I think Clinton was in, so 90, 92 maybe. I don't know if it was 91, 92, I can't remember. Do you remember when the first World uh, World Trade? Bush Bush was in office until 92, so a little little later in the 90s. Right. 95, something. 90, okay. Something, yeah. Um, uh, So, you know, this is is the the Mujahideen being the Mujahideen. But um, where was I going? Right, so the first, yeah, so they they were, there was some civil war going on. The, The CIA, as they do... Um, now and as they did back then, are trying to um, overthrow any government in the world that's not playing ball. This is the Kirkpatrick Doctrine that we've talked about on our Cold War show and probably on our Bullshit Field show during the Syrian Civil War stuff. Jeannie Kirkpatrick, she um, had some senior position in the Reagan administration, um, she uh, came up with this 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 doctrine for the United States in the late seventies that said, "Listen, it's better for us to support far right governments in countries mm-hmm. that, uh, um, even though they might be brutal, because they're more likely to buy weapons from us and do deals with our corporations, and they're easier to bribe and all of that kind of stuff than leftist governments." So it's it's in the United States' best interest to support far-right dictatorships over and above leftist governments, because leftist governments probably aren't going to deal with this. They're probably not going to be as corrupt. They're probably uh, going to be part of the Soviet trading bloc and not our trading bloc. So better for us to have them over, do whatever we have to do to overthrow leftist governments around the world and install far-right governments um, in their stead. And then they did that mm. in Latin America and in the Middle East in particular. Right. Um, so classic example here, the CIA were in there. Now, they weren't throwing millions of... I think uh, Brzezinski suggests that the budget at the time was $500,000, but that was for like six months as a... Like, let's see what you let's see how much trouble you can cause, right? $500,000 right. was probably a million dollars in today's money. Um now you may say, well, that's not a lot, but but they were you know that's beside the point. The point is the CIA was uh, supporting religious fundamentalist uh, uh, terrorists in Afghanistan, but and then the, then the Afghani government called the Soviets in to support them. Hey, we're, we're right. under attack. Help! 
Yeah. But and then it gets portrayed in the West as a Soviet invasion. It wasn't a Soviet yeah. invasion. They were called in by the government. Now the government was a result of a coup d'état. So we might you might want to say well it wasn't legitimate. But okay, now, then we're, now we're we're fucking splitting splitting hairs, right? right? The government yeah. invited the Soviet Union in. Um, and uh, then the Soviet government killed the guy who was the president, but that's another story altogether. Um, and the, the CIA were, were supporting the, 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 the terrorists at the time. Yeah. And then the CIA escalated. They ended up spending like fucking millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, supporting the Mujahideen over the, the 80s, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, and that's in, in Tim Weiner's book, Legacy of Ashes, he says that supporting the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, in order to um, defeat uh, the the Soviets and weaken the USSR, was probably the one great victory the CIA ever had, and of course it led directly right. led directly to nine eleven. So um, the other victory they can claim is probably the overthrow of Mossadegh in nineteen fifty three in Iran, which led mm-hmm. directly. 25 years later to Ayatollah Khomeini taking power in Iran and Iran becoming a huge enemy of the United States, which it wasn't before 1953. Um, They were quite friendly to the West, Um, just didn't want all their oil stolen. They wanted to get paid a fair price for their oil. Um, So, yeah, the two victories the CIA had ended up being disasters in the long run as well, which is why he calls the book A Legacy of Ashes, because everything the fucking CIA touch turns to shit. And Tim Weiner, by the way, just people who don't know, Pulitzer Prize-winning New York Times journalist. Um, so not he's not fucking Noam Chomsky's bum buddy, right? He's a... Uh, He's a, right. he's a he's part of the right. He's part of you know the the fucking failing New York Times as right wing uh, media empire. Who last year or whenever it was, the year before when Castro died, wrote a very long lengthy uh, scandalous, libelous, uh, slanderous uh, 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 obit on Castro. That's how far to the right. Right. If I can just add to that real quick, that reporter asked Brzezinski another question. He goes, when the Soviets justify their intervention by asserting that they intended to fight against secret U.S. involvement in Afghanistan, nobody believed them. However, there was an element of truth in this. Do you regret any of this today? And Brzezinski says, regret what? That secret operation was an excellent idea. It had the effect of drawing the Russians into the Afghan trap. Trap, And you want me to regret it? The day that the Soviets officially crossed the border, I wrote to President Carter, essentially, we now have the opportunity of giving the USSR its own Vietnam War. Indeed, for almost 10 years, Moscow had to carry on a war that it was unsustainable for the regime, a conflict that brought about the demoralization and finally the breakup of the Soviet Empire. And I just have to do this real quick, and the, the reporter goes on, and neither do you regret having supported Islamic fundamentalism, which has given arms and advice to future terrorists. And uh, Brzezinski says, what is more important in world history, the Taliban or the collapse of the Soviet empire, some agitated Muslims or the liberation of Central Europe and the end of the Cold War? Now, I, I want to point so, out, he, I want to point out oh, sorry. This, yeah. this interview was done by a professor from the University of Arizona, David N. Gibbs. And mm-hmm. uh, it came out in his book, International Politics, um, well, a paper by him, I guess, anyway. Um, and I think the book, actually, the book was Afghanistan, the Soviet Invasion in Retrospect. Um, right. 
that came out in 2000. So the year before, right before the 9 yeah. 11 attacks. <laughs> I wonder what he would have thought after the two trade towers came down. But yeah. Yeah. When did Brzezinski die? 2017. So it'd be interesting to uh, look up uh, interviews with Did anybody him. question? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure yeah. they did after that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but did he talk to him? <laughs> oh, anyway. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, there you go, folks. Just another example of uh, lies by the American government and in the American media, and Americans still believe the propaganda. And, uh, you know, and again, people are going to say, oh, you're just fucking picking on America and yeah, whatever. I'm not. Like, all governments do this. Um, yeah. Just using America as an example because it's the we, we live in the era of the American empire, and um, this stuff is, you know, is what shaped the the last half of the 20th century and the early part of the 21st century. So it's most relevant. Same way we talk about Macedon when we're talking about 340 BCE. Same reason we talk about Rome when we're talking about 30 BCE and the first century. And same reason we're talking about the United States today. It's, it's just the dominant empire that's doing most of the stuff. And it's, it's, the, it's the target to talk about, not because they hate America, because... I just want to expose and reveal the lies, the propaganda, how the system works. <clears throat> you can apply it to pretty much any country in any time, particularly empires. Um, it's not all about America. It's just the, it's the most relevant example for right now. Okay. Absolutely. Everybody does it. And I've got a I've got a story that we'll probably do next week about the British government covering up, covering up about um, atomic testing done in Australia. So everybody lies. Everybody covers up. Um, yeah. So don't think that we're just bashing on the United States. <laughs>